Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton, and I'm the pastor of Family Ministries. I just want to say to to all of you, um, good morning. Uh, I'm going to try it again. Let's try it again. Good morning. All right, there we go. That was a little better. Um, I am thankful uh, to be here with you this morning, and and I'm thankful for one of the songs we were just singing, all of them, and it was just a beautiful time. Um, But um, the the Lord is my salvation, and that song, it said, the grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea. And I am safe on this solid ground because the Lord is my salvation. It says, I won't fear when darkness falls because his strength will help me scale these walls. And it says, I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord, our God? He is strong to save. He is faithful and true. And I, and I wanted to draw that back out this morning. Um, because as we come together this morning, uh, we come to a passage that is hard. And we need to remember um, these truths as we come to this together uh, this morning. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6, um, verses 20 through 35, and we're going to go there in just a moment. Um, but before we do, um, and, and I remind you, this is part of our series as we look at um, the wisdom of God uh, as Solomon shares with, with his son. Those things are recorded, and that's, that's also God's wisdom um, for us um, as we live um, the, this Christian life. Um, but as, as we go to that, I, I, how many of you remember how to do the whole word association thing? You know, I say a word, and then, you know, you say what comes to you first. Well, I don't want you to say it, okay? But you might want to write it down or, or just think about um, what comes to you when I say this word, all right? Are you ready? Okay. You sure? Unfaithful. Yeah, not, not where you really thought that was headed, right? Unfaithful. You know, when we say that word... Many of you probably immediately uh, thought of the relationship between a husband and wife or, or um, a, a relationship and when um, others, someone in that was unfaithful. And that may bring up really painful memories for you right now. Um, it may be hard for you to even hear that at the moment. You may be even asking yourself, where's Tim going to go with this today? Or should I take my kids out of here right now? But let me tell you what we're going to talk about, um, because what we're going to talk about is, uh, is looking at the wisdom of God, and we are going to talk about the temptations to be unfaithful in the sense that many of you thought about it a few moments ago. But we're also going to see that we've all been unfaithful, not doing what we said we would do, not being committed when we said we would be, a yes in our friendships, yes in our relationships, yes in our responsibilities, but most of all, We've been unfaithful in our relationship with God. And so we're going to look at both aspects of that today. But we're also going to see that there is hope for us today if we are followers of Jesus, because through Jesus, we can learn to be faithful. All right, so Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. And I remind you um, that this is the word of God, and we can't skip the parts that are hard. Um, So look at that together uh, with me. My son, keep your father's commandment, 
and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. As we turn to look at God's word, um, please pray with me for just a moment. Lord, we come to your word this morning. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit's power this morning, you would teach us. Lord, that you would show us where our hearts and minds and lives are not aligned with your word but that you would show us because of Jesus' faithfulness. We can run to you again and again and again. Lord, guide our time. Lord, help us to be receptive to what you want us to hear. Lord, it may be through something I say. It may be um, around that and, and in another way. But would you guide us, we pray. And would you be tender and gracious as you do so? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Through Jesus, we can learn to be faithful. Uh, Our first point this morning is that to be faithful, we need to know what faithfulness looks like. And where do we find out what faithfulness looks like? Well, we believe that's by looking to God's word. Look at what the passage tells us. Again, Solomon's talking to his son, and he's, and he's saying, um, we, we know what faithfulness looks like by, by looking to God's word. He's telling him, um, keep your father's commandment, forsake not your mother's teaching. He's, he's reminding his son that these words his son is receiving from Solomon, Solomon and his mother are words directly from God's word. And so Solomon goes on to say that, that to point out that, that this, this word, God's word, is extremely important. And and when we say that, keep in mind from where we are today, uh, we're applying to that the whole counsel of Scripture, all of what the Bible says, the good news of the gospel of Jesus, all of that combined together. And so to say differently, God's word, the Bible, all that's in it is commands and promises of the good news of Jesus. It's so important, Solomon says, that it should be really close to your heart. Now, the heart's not just the vital, the, the vital organ of a life in, in the um, Hebrew literature. This is talking about the core of who you are, the core of your being. We want to keep it close. And the idea is that nothing, because this, this, um, the, the Word of God is bound to, our, to the core of who we are, that nothing can get in or out without it going through or being tested by the Word of God. It should also be, he said, it's so important, it should be tied around our neck. The idea is that, that we are tying it around our neck because we're not ashamed to say that what it teaches is the most important to you in your life. And so, so it's tied around your neck. It's hanging out there for people to see it, that, that this is most important to me. And I'm not ashamed of what it says, even when I don't understand or I don't like it. Why is all that so important? Look at verse 22, and I'm going to read it again. When you walk, they, and they hear the teaching, God's word. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. 
So he's saying it's really important to know God's word because it shows us what faithfulness looks like by doing three things. First one is it leads us. That's the beginning of verse 22. It leads us. Kids, if you're in here or um, um, probably any of us, um, if, if we were taken out, if your parents took you out a long way away from here up into the mountains of North Georgia and they, they found a really secluded spot and they dropped you off and they didn't leave you with a phone or Google Maps or Waze or anything like that or, or even a paper map. You might not know what that is, but, but even a paper map. <laughs> they didn't leave you with any of that, okay? And then they just left. And they told you, you need to find your way home. How many of you think you could do that? I know there's probably a couple Eagle Scouts in here or something that could probably figure that out. But yet, I mean, most of you students are saying you couldn't do it. Guess what? Most of us as adults couldn't either. All right? You might be able, you might go and ask somebody for direction and they could help you a little bit. Um, you might wander around and, and, and really try to figure it out. But, but over time, you realize this is going to be really hard to find my way. For all of us, this is what would happen in our lives if we didn't have God's word to lead us. You know how I know that? Because it does happen to all of us. It does happen because often we don't take the time to know what God's word teaches and follow it. And so we wander around allowing other things and other people to direct us. It also shows us what faithfulness looks like um, by, doing, by, by being a guardian to us when we are vulnerable. That's the second point there. When, when are we most vulnerable? When we're asleep, right? You know how, one of the ways we know that? Intuitively, if you think it through, if you're afraid of something, if you're having fears, if kids are having terrors at night, what happens? They don't feel safe and so they can't sleep, right? We're most vulnerable when we're asleep because that's when we're, the, the, we're trusting, so to speak. But this is a reminder that, that we're often vulnerable in our lives as if we are asleep, not paying attention to what is going on around us. But as we know what faithfulness is through God's word, we're guarded from the evil one by God's work to protect us and to continue to remind us of his love and presence with us through Jesus. And there's a third way. And that is, is that the, the word of God is, is an ongoing teacher. It continues to teach us. The writer tells his son, so not just when you're asleep and vulnerable, when you're awake, when, when you're walking through life, God's word will talk to you. That's the words he uses there. God's word will continue to teach you. He's saying that there's something different. There's something special about this book, the Bible, God's word. It's different from any other book. What makes it special? It continues to teach. If you are a follower of Jesus, he promises that as we read and study his word, his Holy Spirit will use it to continue to teach us. Can you learn something from other books? Yes, it's okay to say yes. We can learn stuff from reading other books. But when we read other books, at some point we've read them enough that we kind of run out of things we can learn from them, right? 
That never happens with the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit teaches us through the Word of God over and over again. Every time we read it, we're in a different place in our lives, and He continues to apply it. He continues to teach us His promises and His faithfulness, to show us what is good for us, to convict us of sin, to show us again and again the beautiful way He has loved us and been gracious and merciful to us through the work of Jesus. That's why he continues in verse 23 and says that the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. It's a reproof of discipline that we receive and and, and that we should, he's even saying we should welcome as an important part of our life that we need. And so every time we come back to the word of God, asking him to teach us, the Holy Spirit uses it to shine in, in new dark places in our lives. Places where we're following our own desires, looking to other things than Jesus to make us happy. But the Word of God shines in our hearts, shows us those places, and turns us to Jesus again and again and again. That's important for us to remember. Um, It's important for us to remember because in our culture today, the Bible... And what we call God's Word is often viewed as outdated literature. All or even parts of it are considered for a culture that's passed away already. Some view it as a book that gives some good moral advice or a book that might give us some stories of people we can aspire to be like. Others might think it's a good moral code um, for for some to live by, but, but we don't want to be burdened with those rules. But here at the Vine and, and for followers of Jesus since Jesus' day... We believe that the Bible is more than that. We believe it's instrumental to our understanding God's character and how he interacts with those that are his. It is vital to our understanding of what is good for us in this life and what a life of faithfulness looks like. So where does that leave us? We need to acknowledge that to trust that God's, what God's word says and to follow him is not easy. It's not easy. Because at our core, at the heart of who we are, we don't want to do it. Can I say it any more simply than that? We don't want to do it. Because we want to be in control. We want to be in charge. Kids, teenagers, what makes you so angry at your parents at times? When they tell you, no, you don't get to make this decision. You are going to follow our house rules. You're going to do what I tell you to do because this is what is good for you. Little secret, you probably know it already. We're the, as adults, we're the same way. We want to be able to decide what will make us happy, what's good for us, whose advice we're going to follow, what column or blog we're going to try to follow and learn from this month. It might be the Bible, but it might be something else depending on what seems good to us at the time. And we say it all the time around here, but I just reiterate it again, that that at the core of our sin is that we want to be like God. 
And so that leads us to say that, that what God says is good for us doesn't really matter. And so we begin to search for that approval, that acceptance, that belonging, that comfort, that security, that power from what others can give us or from what we can go out and get for ourselves. Unchecked, unnoticed, unrepented of, that approach, that approach to life that is natural for all of us because of sin causes great damage in our lives. And we're going to see that in a moment. But I also want to say that the answer, and I'm going to give you the answer before I go to the the damage in a minute, because the answer is not just to buckle down and do a better job of doing what God says is good for us. Sometimes that's where we go. It's like, well, we just got to get better at this. But God uses his word, we've talked about that, to show us what faithfulness looks like. Here's what's interesting. In the New Testament, specifically in John chapter 1, God says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus there. So he uses his word, the written word, to show us what faithfulness looks like. But we're unfaithful in all that, right? And then he shows us what true faithfulness looks like when the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Through Jesus, the word, we see true faithfulness because Jesus was perfectly faithful to live a sinless life because we could not. He was perfectly faithful to go to the cross to pay for our sins because we couldn't pay for them ourselves. He rose from the dead to to defeat the power of sin because we were dead in our sin due to our unfaithfulness. And then he was perfectly faithful to give his followers the Holy Spirit to apply the word of God to our hearts to show us our sin, to show us his grace and then to empower us to fight the sin that's within us. That's what faithfulness fully looks like. And we need to rely on His faithfulness in our lives. Because to be faithful, we're fighting an uphill battle. Our second point is to be faithful, we need to defend against the lies of our culture. This is verses 24 through 35, and here we see a personification of temptation and sin. Throughout Proverbs, we see a contrast between wisdom and folly, and and folly is often predicted as an unfaithful, or, or depicted as an unfaithful woman. And that's for two reasons. One is that it's intentionally listed here, intentionally specific about the temptations a son would face as he grew up. But in addition to that, God God is also showing us throughout the Bible that that his people are adulterous, going after other things to fulfill them. They They didn't want God as the king. They wanted another king. They wanted a greater kingdom. They were creating little gods. They were finding wives for themselves outside of the people of God. All these things that God had said, don't pursue those things they wanted to pursue. And so as we look at these verses, I'm going to try to use them to debunk three of the lies, the big lies in our culture. So we'll go back and forth in these verses. Lie number one, she or he or this sin will enhance my life. The Holy Spirit, through the word of God, 
says baloney. He doesn't really say that, I know. But verse 24 through 26 it says, no, we, we need to see the faithfulness of God. We need to rely on the faithfulness of God to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. The Holy Spirit, through the word of God, preserves us from the lie that we must have physical pleasures or that we must have this lustful pursuit of beauty to satisfy our longings. He doesn't mince words here. But it also plays out when we're told we must have other things like cars and boats and toys to be happy. Y'all, we have a whole economy set up with a marketing structure that says, that is trying to convince us, this will fulfill you and this will make you happy and this is what you need. But it's not true. These verses tell us that in fact, the pursuit of these things will reduce your life to nothing more than a loaf of bread to be consumed. It will reduce your life to a pursuit of pleasures and stuff that can never satisfy. We need to fight this by repenting of this pursuit and filling our minds with the grace and mercy that Jesus has shown us. And then we follow what he says is good for us. Lie number two. I will get away with this because I won't let it go too far. All over our culture. But look at verses 27 through 29. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. I'm going to paraphrase for the Holy Spirit here again. The Holy Spirit through his word says, are you crazy? (laughs) You think if you just dabble in this, you can get away with it? I know he doesn't really say that, but, but if we say, I can get away with this because I won't let it go too far, we're crazy. These verses are showing us that if we persist in these temptations... Just dabbling, saying, well, it was only one image or it was only one message or it was only one video. Saying it's only one time and not affecting another person. Eventually, you will be burned, scorched. The passage says punished or receive consequences in some way. Because I'm going to come back to that in a minute. And I'm reminded of warnings from James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. It says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And, when, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so, if we are followers of Jesus, we need to fight this. By repenting of going against what Jesus has said is good for us. And then when we've repented... We need to fill our minds with what? 
the grace and mercy of Jesus and what he has done for us. And then follow what he says is good for us. Line number three, last one for today. This is okay and normal in our culture, so it doesn't hurt anything. Here's the problem. As our world and God's word grows further apart, they both cannot be right. As our world and God's word grows further apart, they both cannot be right. God's word shows us his design and what is good for those he created, whether we acknowledge that it's good or not. You may not agree that it's good and right. God's word shows us this is what is right. In this case, more and more our culture says unfaithfulness is okay and doesn't truly hurt anything. But look at verses 32 and 33. It says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. One who pursues adultery and unfaithfulness destroys himself, destroys herself. One who pursues unfaithfulness gets wounds and dishonor. Disgrace may be, I, I, hear, I want you to hear this, that this disgrace may be forgiven. By Jesus, and we're going to talk about that again in a minute. But the consequences of it often continue to plague one's heart and mind. And then in some cases, there may even be more serious consequences to be lived out in this life. That's what we see in verse 34 and 35. For, the jealousy, for jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse Though you multiply gifts, sometimes the consequences here are rough. There are a couple other examples um, that I want to call out for us of where we believe this lie that our culture says it's normal and okay and so it doesn't hurt anything. Our culture says an intimate relationship outside of marriage is okay. God's word says it hurts us. Our culture says marriage can be open and defined as what we want it to be. God's word says that marriage is to be defined between one man and one woman, and no one should enter in to seek to break that bond or to change the definition of it. Another example. Our culture may say it's okay and normal to cheat to get better grades or to cheat to make more money as long as we don't get caught or as long as, as it's for the greater good. God's word says to live with integrity and work to honor the Lord and he will provide for us. This lie plagues our culture. This lie often plagues the church. We need to fight this by repenting of the places where we are believing the lies of the world. And when we have repented, we need to fill our minds with the what? I'm making you say it this time. Grace and mercy of Jesus. Someone used an illustration with me earlier. They're talking about children. Um, 
but talking about use the illustration of a sponge, and I, and I forget who, this came from someone else, so it's not original with me. I can't remember who the person was, the the lady who said it first. But we're like a sponge, and if that sponge is dry, something's going to go into it, and so we want to fill our minds with the grace and mercy of Jesus with what he says is good for us so that as other things try to come in, it pushes them out. And then we follow what he says is good for us. To be faithful, we rely on the one who is faithful, who is truly faithful, As I share all that today, there may be some of you sitting in here right now that are angry. Either angry at things I've said um, or angry because of what you've experienced in your life. Some of you are hurt. Some of you may be convicted right now. The Lord may be working on your heart. In any of those places um, or with any questions that you have, um, our lead pastor, John John Adams, or myself, um, we would be happy to talk with you um, following this service. Um, Or you can email us. My my email is tbarton at thevinecc.com and his is jadams at thevinecc.com. We'd be willing to talk to you about those things and and we'd love the opportunity to do so. But I want to point you back to something for a minute. And that is that no matter what you are facing, no matter what God is convicting you of in this moment, everybody in this room, there is not an exception, has been unfaithful to God. And everyone in this room is equally dependent upon the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so while what you're facing right now, you may may think, "I, I cannot bear this. I take you back to the song from earlier. His strength will help me scale these walls. The Lord is my salvation. Not you convincing me that you're good enough, not you you convincing John or God or any... That didn't sound right, did it? Uh, John, um, not you convincing us that you're good enough. We want to invite you to come and let's walk together as people who have been unfaithful, who are looking to the faithful God. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.